Um, I'm excited about this coming year. I, I am um, excited to get back to um, some of a bit more normal life after the holidays. Um, and I am excited as well to get back into um, this study that we had, were doing before we started the Advent series uh, in one of the greatest stories ever told, and that is the book of Acts. Uh, we started this in the fall, and we're going through um, story by story, verse by verse, uh, and looking at the early days of the church. Now, this book largely follows an outline uh, that we can read in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Here's what it says there. Uh, Just before Jesus ascended to heaven and physically left his disciples, um, he said this to them, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What we saw in those early chapters, just to bring you sort of up to speed with where we'll be today, what we saw in those early chapters of Acts is that the Holy Spirit did come, just like Jesus said, and the Holy Spirit came with great power. The disciples became his witnesses, telling thousands and thousands of people um, who had gathered at Pentecost who Jesus was and all that he had done. And on that day, just um, an incredible day, the church was born as some 3,000 people believed the good news of the gospel. All of that starts in Jerusalem, and from Jerusalem, like concentric circles, it begins to, uh, to spread outward. Outward from Jerusalem, as we said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. It spreads out from there to Judea and Samaria. And what we'll see as we continue in the book of Acts is the gospel spreading to the ends of the earth. As the church grows, which we saw in those early chapters, persecution against the church uh, ramped up. Believers were arrested. They were, they were beaten, even killed for their faith. Um, many who had come to Jerusalem for Pentecost and stayed for some time because of the persecution, they began to flee, going back to their homes, and, and they began to scatter throughout the Roman Empire. One of those who despised the church and Christianity was Saul, the Pharisee. Saul persecuted the church, trying to bring it to an end. And in chapter 9, we left off with Saul meeting Jesus on the Damascus Road and being utterly broken by Jesus. Saul becomes a believer. He's called by Jesus to be an apostle, an apostle particularly to the Gentiles, and to be his witness to the ends of the earth. The kingdom is breaking into the world Uh, And we read about it in the book of Acts. The gospel moving outward from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and ultimately to the ends of the earth. So we pick up there in this transition period where Saul has been saved uh, and is about to begin his missionary journeys. Uh, I love this. I love this book. Let's pray together this morning and talk some more about God's, God's work in history. Pray this morning. Um, for yourself, that the Lord would be good to encourage you uh, and to help you. Pray for the people around you this morning who need encouragement and help. Pray for us as a church, that we would be the kingdom present, that we would be the people that we read about in the book of Acts. Uh, Pray that God would shape us more and more to be the church that he would have us to be. Would you pray those things with me this morning? 
good. Let's pray together. Father, you are good, so good. Um, thank you for this morning. Thank you for uh, these songs, the beautiful songs that we sing. Thank you for the reason that we sing, Jesus. Thank you for all of the amazing promises that you give to us. Uh, Father, this morning, we, we, we need to be encouraged by the gospel. We need to be encouraged by um, this kingdom that you have established and continue to establish. We, we need to be reminded this morning, um, not intellectually reminded, but, but reminded deep in our heart and soul that you have called us to so much more than the life that we typically live. So remind us of that today. Holy Spirit, be good today to convict us, to shape us more and more to be the people that you want us to be, to be the, the kingdom present as New City Church. We love you. Jesus, it's in your name we pray today. Amen. All right, so I, I want to um, quickly uh, talk about the book of Acts and our verses today, but I want to make sure, and we do this often at New City, I know, but I, I, I want to make sure that we see these verses as a part of God's big story. And, and then as we talk about our passages, uh, or our passage this morning, I, I want us to, to sort of circle back and be reminded that God's big story that Acts is a part of is the same story that we are a part of. So I, I want us to, Lord willing, Holy Spirit help us, see our lives as a part of God's big story. So let's start with, with God's big story and Acts. Um, the Bible, we talk about, we love the Bible at New City. We talk about uh, how the Bible is more than just a collection of a bunch of random stories. Uh, there are a lot of different stories covering centuries, and, and, and if we're not careful, they seem disjointed. At, at New City, we understand that these aren't just a bunch of individual stories. All of these stories come together in the Bible to tell God's incredible big story. Um, it, it's, it's our story. Our story is a part of this story. And, and the way that we break this story down in Scripture is creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. In fact, if you look in your bulletin uh, on our order of service, you can follow our order of service telling this story. Um, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Creation is where our history begins. It's where the Bible begins. Um, God creating everything. God, who, who eternally existed and exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, speaking into nothingness everything that is, the planets, the stars, everything. On earth, God created a beautiful garden and he filled it with plants and animals and trees and grass and birds and bugs and fish and everything, uh, everything that fills our planet today. And there on earth, God created a, a special place, a garden, and he created uh, the crown of his creation, Adam and Eve, and placed them in that garden. God commanded Adam and Eve in the garden to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth with his image bearers. Uh, he would be their God and they would be his people. He would dwell with them. In this kingdom that God was creating here on earth, the kingdom that they were, they were growing, they would love and follow him and he would bless them and, and be with them and he would meet their every need and more. And in this kingdom, there would be 
no sadness. No sadness. There would be no sadness because there would be no death, there would be no sickness, there would be no pain, there would be no sin. Creation was beautiful, but it was very short-lived, at least in our Bible. In Genesis 3, Adam and Eve took of the fruit of the tree, the one tree in the garden that God had said not to eat of. And with that, sin entered into the world. And we, we, we categorize this as the fall. Everything in creation was wrecked. With sin came separation, anxiety, fear, guilt, shame, running, hiding, and worse, sickness, disease, and death. The earth itself was cursed by Adam's sin as well as all humanity, every generation after Adam. They would be kicked out of the garden, out of God's presence. The kingdom that could have been would not be because of sin. Sadness became a normal part of everyday life, everyday life in a, in a broken and fallen world. Sadness because now in the world there was sickness and death and sin after sin. But, but God, right? God was not satisfied to see his creation suffering, separated from him. In Genesis 3.15, even while God was, was telling Adam and Eve what the consequences of their sin would be, God promised a redeemer. A redeemer would come. One, one who would come one day and crush the head of the serpent. The prophets of the Old Testament would tell more and more about this promised one, the king who would come to, to redeem God's people from their sin. He will establish a kingdom, we're told, a kingdom as it was meant to be in the very beginning before sin entered into the world, a kingdom filled with the image bearers of God, just like God intended in the beginning, a kingdom of people who would love and follow him, and he would provide for them, and he would provide for them all that they needed and more. The promised Redeemer will come. He will come and he will fix all that sin has broken. And his will be a kingdom we see again and again throughout the Old Testament without sadness. A kingdom that fills the earth. Creation, fall, redemption. The promised Redeemer, of course, is Jesus in the story of the Bible. With his birth, with his birth the king had come. In his life, we see many glimpses of, of brokenness, the brokenness of the world, the brokenness caused by sin. We see many glimpses of the brokenness being fixed. And we see a kingdom that could fill the earth, a kingdom without sadness as the king wipes out sickness, disease, hunger, and death. We see that in the Gospels, those stories in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of Jesus. Jesus is ushering in his kingdom. We see people being healed. We see miraculous feedings of thousands where there was no, no food on the plain. We see the dead raised from death. All glimpses of the promised restoration that the king would bring. Of course, we know in this story uh, of Jesus, we, we know the story. The king would be arrested. He would be beaten and crucified. The kingdom would not be established. In order to redeem humanity from their sin, the king would have to die. Someone had to pay the penalty for their sin, someone without sin. So Jesus, who lived a life without sin, lived a life that we cannot live. He lived perfect and holy and righteous. 
Jesus died the death on, on, on earth that all of us and all of humanity since Adam and Eve have deserved. He was without sin, but he died a sinner's death, suffering the wrath of God that was rightly ours. Jesus died on the cross. He was buried in a tomb, but on the third day, hallelujah, on the third day, he arose. Jesus, the king, arose, defeating death and sin and Satan. And the good news of the gospel is this. When we believe this story, the story of our king, when, when, when we believe who Jesus is and what he has done, when we trust in his work instead of our own righteousness, then his righteous life is credited to us as if it were our righteous life. His death is then seen as our death. And the new life that, that is his is given to us so that we might be with him forgiven and free, redeemed, restored forevermore. Redeemed from sin and its penalty. This was the only way of redemption, the only way to restoration. The risen king, the risen king has taken care of everything that we need. But the risen king was not ready to establish his kingdom. And he told his disciples, after his life, death, and resurrection, he told his disciples that he would be leaving them, that he would return, but he would be leaving them for a while. And he told them what they should do while he was away. While he was away, he said, make disciples. What you should do in my absence, he said, is make disciples. Make disciples of all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching them to love and follow me. This was their commission, make disciples. Their commission was really not a lot different than the commission of Adam and Eve in a lot of ways. Uh, make disciples, grow the kingdom, fill the earth with image bearers, and I will return. I will return, and when I do, I will fully and finally establish my kingdom, our king said. The kingdom that you got a glimpse of as I walked with you. A kingdom without suffering and pain and sickness and death. A kingdom without sadness a kingdom of one people from all peoples, a kingdom that will fill the earth. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And with that, Jesus ascended, and the story of Acts begins in this beautiful big story of God. God's story has been unfolding since the beginning of time. Here in the book of Acts, we see as God comes and he commissions his disciples and he reminds them to be his, his witnesses, the gospel explodes. It explodes in, in Jerusalem, pressing outward to Judea and Samaria and soon to the ends of the earth. A kingdom without sadness, a kingdom for all peoples. Acts chapter 9, verse 32. Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make, and make your bed. And immediately he rose, and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. 
Now, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days, she became ill and died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing him tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. I want to point out a couple of things that we see in these verses as this continuation um, of the unfolding of God's kingdom and the unfolding of God's big story. First, we, we get a glimpse here of a kingdom without sadness. There are two stories um, in these verses, right? Twice we are, we are reminded that this world is not what it was created to be. This is, this is not what God intended in the beginning. Twice we see a glimpse of Jesus, our King, fixing the brokenness. First, Aeneas is healed in Lydda. Peter is going here and there ministering, right? As the gospel is spread, as it's spread in Jerusalem and Judea and spreading to Samaria, Peter is, is out and he's ministering and he's sharing the gospel. Lydda is a town in Judea not far from Jerusalem. And there he finds Aeneas paralyzed and bedridden for, for eight years. And really, that's, that's all, almost all that we know of Aeneas, that we, we, we don't know much about him at all. We don't know whether he was a believer or not a believer at that time. We don't know what happened to him. But what we do know is that for eight years, he was bedridden. For eight years, he was bedridden. That, 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 that means that eight years earlier, Aeneas walked and, and he cared for himself. He took care of himself. And now, now, bedridden for eight years, he lives in constant need. Now, bedridden and paralyzed, he's unable to care for himself, unable to care for even his basic needs. This is not the way that God intended in the beginning. This is not the life that we were created for. This was a sadness, a sadness not only for Aeneas, but also for those who cared for him. For eight years, someone had to care for every need of Aeneas. They fed him, they clothed him, they changed him, they, they moved him from one position to another uh, so that he wouldn't get bed sores. Almost certainly they, they had to clean him and clean his bed sores. This is not what we were meant to be. Aeneas should have been well. He should have been, he should have been healthy. He was meant to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth. He should have been working to extend the bounds of the garden, filling the kingdom of God with image bearers of God. Instead, he is bedridden for eight years. 
Peter arrives, and, and there aren't a lot of details here either, a very short story, but Peter, Peter arrives and he says, Aeneas, get up and make your bed. Get up and make your bed, and immediately, that's what he does, healed. Healed immediately. The word spreads and people come to see. They, they, they've known about Aeneas. They've known about him being bedridden. They knew what happened to him. They knew him. And so they come to see as they hear he's walking, he's up, he's been healed. With his healing, those many, many who come, many of those who come turn to the Lord. Why? Because, because it wasn't Peter who healed Aeneas, it was Jesus. It, it was the king doing what the king had come to do. And, 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 and Peter, with the opportunity, didn't bear witness to himself and look at my incredible healing powers. He bore witness to who Jesus was and what Jesus had done. He was his witness. Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make up your bed. This is a glimpse of Jesus fixing what sin has broken. Healing humanity. This is also a glimmer of what John saw in, in the book of Revelation and the, the revelation that he had from God. In Revelation 21, um, John is telling us about what he sees when Jesus, the king, returns and when he does fully and finally establish his kingdom and God's people are fully redeemed and, and the head of Satan is finally crushed and all of the brokenness is made new. Revelation chapter 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more and I saw the holy city new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying behold the dwelling place of God is with man he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. No more sadness. No more sadness. While Peter was in Lydda, there was a believer in Joppa, Tabitha, who had become very ill and died. Luke tells us that she was full of good works and full of charity. Listen to me, sickness and death are not reserved for bad people. In this broken and fallen world, sickness and death are a part of sin's brokenness for every one of us. We can't be sure why they sent for Peter, but they did. Peter comes to Joppa where he finds Tabitha, and she's surrounded by people who loved her very much. And, and, and they had already washed her body. They had already prepared her for burial. This means that she had not just died. It also means that she was not just unconscious or asleep. She was dead. She was dead and they had prepared her for her burial. And, and, and here as they were gathered, gathered around her, they, they are weeping still over her death. Peter comes and he sends them all out of the room. Luke tells us then that Peter kneels beside her and prays. 
It is safe to assume by what happens next that what Peter was praying for is an absolute miracle. After he prayed, he looked at the lifeless body and he called out, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. (laughs) Holy cow. She opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she, she sat up. Peter helped her to her feet and he called all of the people back into the room. All of the people who had been there mourning her death. She was alive. Tabitha is raised from death. We are told that, of course, rightly so, the, the, the word of what happened spread throughout Joppa. And again, people come and they see and they hear what happened. And many, many, it says, believed in Jesus. The king who would fix our brokenness. As Peter told them who he was and what he had done. The king had fixed her brokenness. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning. No more sadness. The king was at work. Here he was doing what all the prophets had said that he would do, at least, at least in, in part doing what the prophets had said he would do. These are glimpses of this unfolding story of redemption and restoration, glimpses of what will be in, in, in the fullness when, when he returns, when, when all of this brokenness is fixed when when sin is fully and finally dealt with and and he will be our god and we will be his people his will be a kingdom without sadness and and that's what we see here glimpses of that kingdom without sadness but we see something else of this kingdom it's it's almost almost hidden Almost hidden in these verses, but, but once you see it, I promise you, you can't unsee it. And every time you read the verses, it will jump off of the page. His is a kingdom for all peoples. His is a kingdom for all peoples. Look, look with me again at 42 and 43. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. Joppa was a a port city. It was a a fairly large city. There were lots of people there. This is still in the area of Judea. And and Peter is there. And, And since he is staying there and spending some time with the people there, he would need a place to stay. Now, Finding a place to stay would not be difficult at all. Of all the possibilities, there would be many possibilities for Peter, partly because of the culture that they lived in. Hospitality was a part of the culture. Whether you were a Christian or not, you received people, and if they needed a place to stay, you gave them a place to stay. But certainly within Christianity, this was, this was especially true, hospitality. And, and there were many Christians already there. And so there, there were plenty of places that Peter could stay in Joppa. And of all the places that Peter could stay, Peter landed at Simon the Tanner's home. Simon was, was a Jew and he was a believer, but he was a tanner. 
Do you know what a tanner is? Tanners turn animal skins into leather for, for saddles, for sandals, for whatever other things. Tanners were, were usually forced to, to, to live and to practice their trade outside of the city, far away from people, or at the very least, on the outskirts of the city. Their trade was filthy and smelly. And they lived their life very often ceremonially as a Jew, unclean. Unclean, that meant they had to keep their distance from other people. They couldn't go into the temple for worship. Tanners used harsh chemicals and and animal as well as human waste to tan the skins. The smell is said to have been horrible, obviously, kicking them out of the city. The smell is said to have permeated everything. It permeated the ground. The very ground that they lived on was permeated by the smells. The, the, the home, the home was filled and permeated as well. His clothes, even his own skin, you couldn't wash the smell off. Tanners were, were shunned. They were outcasts. They were not the people that you invited into your home. And, and when, you had, when you had a list of places that you could stay, the Tanner's home was, trust me, at the bottom of the list. Yet that is exactly where Peter went, to Simon the Tanner's home. The kingdom of God is a kingdom for all people. This is a glimpse of that. While Peter still has a ways to go, and we'll see some even bigger steps next week for Peter, we we do see here how beautifully the gospel changes relationships. Could Peter have been seeing that? Could could Peter be seeing now that apart from Jesus' work, we, we are all desperately needy? No, 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 matter, no matter how we are, we, we are all desperately needy, distant and separated from our Father. But now in Jesus, by His work, not, not by our works, not by, by Simon's works, not by Simon's job, not by his profession or accomplishment, but in, in Jesus and by His work, we are all made family. Simon, the tanner, was a part of the family. Could Peter be seeing that? Could Peter be seeing now that Jesus is is making a way for all people to be able to come near? That no one, no one in Christ is excluded from, from his presence or from his people. Maybe Peter was seeing that because that's what the gospel does. His is a a kingdom made up of all kinds of people and all kinds of peoples. And again, if we go to the book of Revelation and to one of the revelations that John received from from the Lord about about what would happen when the king returns, we can can get a glimpse of these people. One of my favorites is, is Revelation 7. We see here the people who we will see 
there. Revelation 7 verse 9. After this, John writes, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. How beautiful. And Simon the Tanner will be there. With people from every tribe and tongue and nation shouting and singing praises to the Lamb who saves. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our great God forever and ever. His is a kingdom for all peoples. His is a kingdom without sadness. Where everything broken will be restored. Now listen to me, New City. That kingdom has come. Do you hear me? It's not a story that's out there. It's a story that is here now with us. The kingdom has come. And it is here. No, it's not here in its fullness, but it's here just like it was in the book of Acts. Just like it was before our, before our king was crucified. Here's what I want us to see this morning as we close out. This is our story. It's not just a story, the book of Acts. This is our story. This is your story. This is our story together as a family. We live in this same unfolding story, the, the story between our king's ascension and his return. And, and he has called us to be fully a part of that story. He has called us to be fully immersed and involved in that story. We are to be fruitful and to, to multiply and to fill the world with his, with his people, with image bearers. Christ followers. Disciples. We, we are his witnesses, just like those disciples. We, we are his witnesses in our own Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and for some to the ends of the earth. Our faith is not, is not an event. Our religion is not something that we attend once a week. This faith, this faith is, 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 a, is a remarkable journey that, that never ends. Never ends. It's an invitation to play a part now in what will be forevermore. This is our story. I want us to know as well that our king still heals. Do you hear me? 
Even today, our king heals. Today, there are glimpses of what will be when when he takes away our sickness. Every sick person wasn't healed even when Jesus was here. Every sick person wasn't healed as the apostles walked through Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. No, right now, every sick person is not healed. But our king still heals. Even now, he he takes away our sickness, our disease, our addictions. Pray like Peter. What did, what did Peter do when he walked in and here she was dead? He knelt beside her and, she, and, he, and, he, and he prayed. Pray like Peter for healing. Pray like Peter for your own healing, for someone else's healing. Pray and believe that our king still heals. He does. I've seen it. I know that when he, when he doesn't hear, and sometimes he doesn't, I know that he will when we see him face to face. And that is a beautiful thing. But, but even now, pray. Pray that our king would heal. Thirdly is this. His kingdom is for all peoples. Our churches and our missional communities shouldn't look like clubs. People who look and think just like we do. I can't believe I didn't get an amen out of that one. Our churches, our missional communities, they, they, they shouldn't look like clubs of people who are just like us, the same color as us, the same socioeconomic standing as us, the same neighborhoods as us. We, 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 we shouldn't look like that. We should look like his kingdom. We should look like his kingdom, a diversity of people, all ages, all shapes, all sizes, all, all colors, rich and poor, married, single, divorced, what, what, whatever, like, like, like stir-fried rice. Just mix it all together. And it's good. New city, let's be this people. This is what excites me. This this is why I preach. This is why I pastor. This is what I dream of. Let's be this people. Let's, let's, let's be a people living our lives as if they are something more than just this. Living like we, like we see it and, and we truly believe it, this big story of God. Like it's not just something we talk about on Sundays, but, but this is the story of God, and we're a part of it. Let's, let's live like it is true, like we really believe that it is true. Let, let's let that shape our lives. Let's, let's believe in a king who, who heals. 
Let's, let's pray that that king would do once more another miracle and, and take away the pain and the sorrow and the sickness and the disease and the sadness. Let's, let's, let's do what we can do to be a picture of, of his kingdom people, a, 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 a church of all peoples, a church expanding the boundaries of the kingdom, expanding the boundaries of the kingdom, planting new missional communities, planting new churches, saturating all of middle Georgia and beyond, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, saturated, saturated with the gospel of Jesus Christ, expanding the boundaries, filling, filling the earth as his kingdom with image bearers. No geographical boundaries, no socioeconomic walls, no racial divides. His kingdom present. Let's let that be our story. Because it's supposed to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this story and the beautiful hope that we find there. Father, I pray that for us as your people. I pray that this would be our story. I, I, I pray, God, not for our glory, not for my glory, for your glory. I pray that, that as, we, as we live like this kind of people, the word would spread. Just like it did in Lida and Joppa, and people would be like, what is going on? And when they come and ask and they come and see, we can tell them what a great king we have. And what a beautiful story we're a part of. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.